Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and call us, 208-991-4783. Well, today's episode is brought to you by the financial support of our listeners. Thanks so much for all your support. Well, we're going to uh, play a very interesting series of programs. This one uh, noted for being a multiple-part episode of uh, Sherlock Holmes. Uh, We skipped over a couple of episodes to make sure that we would be able to play uh, the uh, Blue Carbuncle when we did. Uh, This particular episode comes from March 21st of 1949, and the title is The Elusive Agent. From New York City, the makers of Clipper Craft Clothes for Men and more than 1,200 leading retail stores from coast to coast present that immortal character created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes, starring John Stanley. This week's story, The Adventure of the Elusive Agent. Oh, it's the quarry we followed from the docks went into that room off this corridor here. Right, Watson. What are we waiting here for? Why don't we just go in? Patience, Watson, patience. We cannot precipitate ourselves into a trap on sheer impulse. Ah! Oh, Scott! Quick, Watson, into that room. The trap is sprung. We must get to the victim. We're at the door of Dr. John Watson's study, and we're about to hear another of his adventures with the fabulous Sherlock Holmes. Well, good evening, Mr. Harris. Good evening, Dr. Watson. Uh, You have a memoir for us tonight, I hope? I have indeed, Mr. Harris. In fact, I had just finished editing it when you came in. I might say that this particular adventure is of first-rank importance, not only in the life of my friend Holmes, but on the course of history itself. The stakes were the highest, and on the outcome hinged the issue of empire itself. In no other adventure that I can recall were our protagonists more ruthless, more shrewd, and more cruel. Hmm. Sounds like you've got a treat for us tonight. What do you call it, Dr. Watson? Well, Holmes and I always refer to it as the adventure of the elusive agent. And after you have enlightened our audience to the merits of Clippercraft clothes, Mr. Harris, I shall proceed with this highly unusual story. Today, it's official. It's spring. Time for you, Mr. Man, to get a new spring suit and a new spring topcoat. Make sure you get Clippercraft. Clippercraft, the best clothes you can buy for the money. Beautiful new spring all-wool worsted Clippercraft suits, only $45. Clippercraft all-wool gabardine or covert top coats, only $40 to $47.50. Clippercraft clothes make you look your best because they look like they cost much, much more. Get your Clippercraft spring outfit tomorrow.
Now, Dr. Watson, what about the adventure of the elusive agent? Well, Mr. Harris, it began in 1913. This was a year when Holmes's brother, now Sir Mycroft Holmes, had publicly achieved the post of minister at large at Whitehall, but secretly conducted the affairs of British intelligence. 1913, I might add, was a year of international tension, notably between Britain and Germany, which a year later culminated in the First World War. It was behind the shadowy scenes of espionage that this adventure first began. And specifically, it began one dark night on the Berlin Express, plunging northward from Budapest toward the German capital. There was a knock on a compartment door. Yeah, who is it? Who's there? The trade inspector, Herr Malern. What is it? What do you want? I have a telegram for you, Herr Meiner. Oh, one moment. I don't... Don't know that. You are not. Don't make a sound, Miller. Get back in that compartment of yours. Get back, I said, or I'll blow your head off. Now, that's better, my friend. Much better. So, you're an Englishman. What do you want? The plans, my hair. Plans? Huh. I do not know what you're talking about. Don't you, Herr Miller? Then listen. Last night in Budapest, you knifed an Englishman in the back. Took a waterproof packet of paper from him. You're on your way to deliver them to the Wilhelmstrasse in Berlin now. Hand them over. Be quick about it. You'll never get those plans, you swine. Sorry, Herr Miller, but I must have them now. No. Yes, I must have them. <gasps> yes, Herr Miller. Congratulations, my dear Norton. You've done an excellent job in intercepting that German agent and returning these plans to our embassy here in Berlin. Thank you, Sir Michael. Unfortunately, our problem has only begun, my dear boy. These plans are of the highest importance, and we must get them out of Germany and back to Whitehall at once. Now, you understand, these are the originals, the only copies of the plans in existence. They were stolen by this German agent you intercepted from the inventor himself before he was able to get them to the war office, and we could have copies made. But I understand you're returning to London tonight, are you not, sir, Mycroft? I am, but I cannot take the plans with me. No? Why not, sir? Ostensibly, I am Sir Mycroft Holmes, British Minister without portfolio here on official business. Actually, I'm here to see that these plans get back to London, and the Wilhelmstrasse knows it. I see. I have been watched every step of the way. The Germans have revoked our former privilege and will examine all diplomats of the customs. And we can't risk relaying the data to Whitehall by code on the chance that the Germans may already have broken it. It will be a dangerous and delicate mission to smuggle them out of Germany and... One moment. One moment, my boy. By Jove, I believe I have it. Yes, sir? I recall reading in the newspapers that you are to marry a British subject here in Berlin by the name of Miss Pamela Rivers. That's right, sir, Mycroft. And, if I remember, you are to be married this Saturday and will return to England for your honeymoon. Yes, sir, those are our intentions. Yes, I'm sure it will work. Philip Norton, British attaché, takes bride, honeymoons in England. Excellent, excellent. Very romantic, innocuous in purpose, not calculated to arouse suspicion. Sir, I don't understand. Norton, my boy, marry your girl. Take your bride to England with you. And take something else in addition. Yes, sir, my God. What? The plans, Norton. The plans. Darling, darling, Philip. Oh, it all seems like a wonderful dream. Does it, Pam? Yes, Philip, yes. I'm glad we didn't dance that last dance. 
I'm glad we came up on deck here together, just the two of us alone. I think I'll always remember this moment, Philip, this moment of our honeymoon. I'll always remember what the music was playing and how the moon shone up there on the sky and the lights of England of home shining over there on the shore. So will I, Pam. So will I. Philip. Yes, darling. Put your arms around me. Hold me close. Pam. Closer, darling, closer. That's it. Oh, darling, darling, Philip. Kiss me. Now, tell me that you love me. I love you, Pam. I love you, I love you. <laughs> Do you really, darling? Pam, what? Surprise, darling? Pam, you've got a knife. You just... Yes, you English swine, and you're going to feel the bleed again. <laughs> now, my dear departed bridegroom, the plans. Ah, yes, here in your coat pocket, as I thought. Now, if I can roll you overboard through the opening in this rail... Over you go. <laughs> Goodbye, my romantic darling. And thanks for the wedding present. The pothole. Gustav should be below in a small boat. That was the arrangement. Gustav! Gustav, are you there? Yeah, Fräulein. You have the plans? Yes. Throw them down to me through the pothole. You are... <coughs> Thank you, Fräulein. <laughs> That's swine Norton. So he thought he could smuggle the plans... One moment, Gustav. Only half the plans are there. I have the other half. But what... What is the meaning of this? It means that the half I have is for sale. I see. But the Herr Director has paid you well. Tell your master if he wants the rest of these plans, he will have to be more generous. You understand, Gustav? Very well, I shall tell him. And when you come ashore, Fräulein, we shall be waiting for you at the rendezvous. Auf Wiedersehen. So, young Norton disappeared while the Oceania lay at quarantine in Southampton, eh, Mycroft? Yes, Sherlock. I'm sorry to have roused you and Dr. Watson here in the dead of night on a mission you never anticipated, but we have impounded the passengers and crew of the vessel at Southampton for questioning, and we need your talents desperately now. Indeed, if the plans are not recovered, the life of England and of the Empire itself are in jeopardy. <laughs> Sounds like a formidable affair, I must say. Quite. But, my dear Mycroft, since we are to become involved with these plans, it might be helpful to know something of their nature. These papers, ten in all, were the designs of a new weapon, Sherlock. A kind of land monster built to revolutionize modern warfare. In short, an armor-plated mobile vehicle we call a tank. A tank, eh? By Jove, Holmes, this sounds like something out of Jules Verne. Yes, it does indeed, Watson. Sherlock, I beg of you to bend every effort to the recovery of those plans, to use every facet of your genius to track them down. Now, be of good cheer, Mycroft. It's my opinion that the plans have already been spirited from the Oceania, but it may not yet be too late. When I get aboard, I shall have some pertinent questions to ask. Whom will you begin with, Holmes? Since it's the bridegroom who's missing, my dear Watson, I shall obviously begin with the bride. Now, Mrs. Norton, exactly what happened after you and your husband had gone to the upper deck of the vessel here? I, it was a little chilly. I asked Philip to wait for a moment. I left him alone, went down to my cabin to get a wrap. When I returned, he was gone. And after you searched the boat and couldn't find him, you notified the captain, eh? Yeah, yes, Dr. Watson, yes. 
Mr. Holmes, I... Please, I can't answer any more questions, not now. Philip, my husband, he's gone. I loved him so, now he's gone. I'm, I'm sorry, Mrs. Norton. I realize what a strain you've been under. And there's no need to detain you any longer. You are at liberty to retire to your cabin now. Thank you, Mr. Holmes. Thank you very much. Oh, the juice, Holmes. I must confess I found it a heartbreaking experience. Watch this poor girl. Did you, Watson? Eh? Uh, what, what do you mean? I mean that the woman lied. What? Come, come, Watson. It's painfully obvious. She distinctly said that she went down to get her rep. Did she not? Oh, yes. Yes, she did. But what is... Consider, my dear fellow. If you were a bridegroom on your honeymoon and in a chivalrous mood, would you allow your bride to go to the trouble of getting her own rap? Well, I... No. No, dashed if I would. Precisely. You would not. No man would. Um, Watson. Yes, Holmes? Notify the authorities to allow all passengers to disembark. Yes, but Holmes, you haven't questioned any of the others. I don't think it will be necessary, Watson. Time is too short and we must gamble at long odds. From now on, we shall concentrate all our energies on following the bereaved bride. Now, with your permission, we're going to transport Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson from England to America for a few moments. They are in a typical American city. Oh, I say, Holmes, that's a very successful-looking chap standing there, isn't it? A uh, banker, would you say? Not at all, my dear Watson. He is not a man of wealth or position, but a man of extremely good taste. He looks successful because he's succeeded in finding an excellent tailor. Well, then he's an athlete, uh, would you say? At first glance, yes. But I'm quite sure that his broad shoulders and tapering waist are really the results of excellent clothing design. Well, he must be wealthy to afford such a splendid tailor to see what beautiful fabric is in his suit. Oh, my dear Watson, you're obviously unfamiliar with the American way of life. That man to whom you refer is wearing a Clippercraft suit, which, if I'm not mistaken, sells for only $45. But how? Well, you see, Watson, some 1,200 retail merchants all over America have pooled their tremendous buying power to make these really extraordinary Clippercraft values possible. Yes, but, but Don't who? interrupt, Watson. As a symbol of the honest New England quality and value of Clippercraft clothing, they have adopted the name Clippercraft in emulation of the famous New England Clipper ships and the modern aircraft of the same name. These are synonymous with New England quality. Oh, I see. But tell me, Holmes, how did you recognize that chap as the wearer of a, a Clippercraft suit? Elementary, my dear Watson. He's the best-dressed man in sight. How right you are, Sherlock Holmes. The best-dressed man in sight, the successful-looking man, is the man who wears a Clippercraft suit. Yet Clippercraft new spring suits cost only $45, and Clippercraft gabardine and covert topcoats only $40 to $47.50. See the new Clippercraft Spring Styles tomorrow. Clippercraft clothes are sold by your local store whose business it is to give you honest value. That's why men who know insist on Clippercraft clothes bearing the Clippercraft label. So be sure to visit the Clippercraft store in your city. These leading stores in the metropolitan area are proud to add their names to Clippercraft in your suits and topcoats. In Manhattan, John Wanamaker's Men's Stores, Broadway at 8th and 67 Liberty Street, Saks 34th, Broadway at 34th. In Brooklyn, Abram and Strauss. In Newark, New Jersey, Boulevard Men's Shop, Kresge, Newark. And in Jamaica, the B&B Clothes Shop, 16408 Jamaica Avenue. Now, Dr. Watson, Dr. Watson, you were relating to us the adventure of the elusive agent. So I was, Mr. Hatt, so I was. Our task, as Holmes had explained 
was to keep the bereaved bride, Mrs. Philip Norton, under our watchful surveillance. And this in the theory that she might lead us to the stolen plans for the new British armoured monster named the Tank. We saw her take the train to London, and we followed. Then at London, she took the underground, and we followed, keeping out of sight in the next car. And finally, she emerged at the suburban station of Golders Green. Oh, she, she went into this house. I believe I saw someone admitted to that door there in the corridor. It's quite. We shall wait here for her to emerge, Watson. Yes, but why? Why don't we just go in? Patience, my dear man, patience. Our belief is that Mrs. Norton did not see us shadowing her, but we cannot be sure. He's shrewd, my dear fellow, a consummate actress and no fool. For all we know, this may be a trap. You have your service revolver with you, Watson? Yes, sir. I've got it right here. Good. Better have it ready, my dear fellow. In a very short time, you may have occasion to use it. Ah, so you have already come to see us, Frau Norton. I do not wish to be caught, Frau, any longer, Gustav. The Valkyrie is over, and that fool Norton is dead. As you wish, Fräulein. Where's your master? As you know, we have a business appointment. The Air Director has delegated me to represent him in these negotiations. Very well. I have half the plans. Your master has the other half. With that one portion, the other portion is useless. How much am I bid, Gustav? The Air Director is inclined to be generous. You have already been well paid, but he realizes there are uh, certain uh, expenses... He's willing to pay you 10,000 pounds on receipt of your half the plan. 10,000 pounds? It is a handsome sum, my dear, to pay a blackmailer. It's a pittance. The art says no. The price is 50,000 pounds. Oh, you must be mad with grief. 50,000 pounds, my dear Gustav. I know what those designs are worth. The price is low and of no consequence to the organization you represent. Consider what the British would pay for those papers. Well, Gustav? I am empowered to go as high as 20,000 pounds. That is my final offer. 50,000, and that is my final offer. Do you have the papers with you? I have. Oh, I don't think you can take them from me by violence, Gustav, and remove me for good. It really wouldn't be worth it, you know. I have a trusted friend in London, and he has a sealed letter. In this letter is all the information I possess... Concerning the German espionage ring, not only on the continent, but in England, too. You understand? Yeah, Fräulein, I understand. And finally, the letter contains the identity of the ringleader himself, Gustav. You are master and mine. In the event of my disappearance, my friend is to mail this letter to the chief of British intelligence at Whitehall. The price is still 50,000 pounds, Gustav. Perhaps you had better talk to the head director personally, my dear Fräulein. He's in the next room, and I will summon him. The director of the Fräulein is here. Will you talk to her? Naturally. And I'm sure we shall come to some conclusions. Good evening, Fräulein. It's so considerate of you to visit our little hideaway, far out here in Golders Street. I understand you've named a price for those plans. Fifty thousand pounds. It's a little high, my dear. May I make a counter-offer? What is it? This. <laughs> Simple. Eh, Gustav? The ideal way to make a bargain. Quick, efficient, ruthless. And so we bid farewell to the bride. But, Herr Director, the letter, the letter she wrote to her Don't friend. take me for a fool, Gustav. Both the friend and the letter were destroyed long before she arrived in England. What? I have in my agents honeycombing this foul and miserable island for nothing. 
Quick now, search her for the plan. Yeah. Open up. Open the door. They've got it locked. It's Sherlock Holmes. He's followed her here. Yes, quick, Gustav. Out the back way. But the plan There's is... no time now. Above all, we cannot afford to be seen. Quick. Hold the lock off with your pistol, Watson. Yes, right, Holmes. As you know, Holmes, the beggar's got away with the garden walls. Well, Holmes, you've you got the plans, eh? Yes, Watson. They were on Mrs. Norton's body here. Unfortunately, however, we have only half the packet. Half? Quite. Only five designs are here, and you'll recall my clock told us there were ten in all. Yes, but the other five, where could they be? No doubt in the hands of the ruthless agents who just shot Mrs. Norton here. Might very well have been that she came here with the idea of selling them, and... Watson. Yes, who? Do you detect a faint odor of tobacco in this room? Tobacco? Yes. Well... Uh, yes, sir. Come to think of it, I do. Hmm. Interesting scent, Watson. Very. What do you mean? This smells like ordinary tobacco to me. On the contrary, this one's a rare and very unusual blend. Yes? Well, what... It's a cross mixture, Watson. The base is a strong and heavy perique, tempered with a bit of burley, and more than just a touch of Euphrates yellow leaf grown in the river valleys of eastern Turkey. Only one expert in London, or in all of England, will create a mixture like this. Grimsby. Grimsby? Grimsby, the tobacconist. He specializes in these rare and exotic blends. He owns a little hole in the wall in Soho. Well, by Jove, we can go there and ascertain who ordered this blend, eh? Precisely. But one thing is sure, my dear fellow. One thing is certain. Now that we possess half the plans, our constant companion is danger. And we are marked men. <laughs> So you did mix that blend I described, Grimsby? Yes, yes, Mr. Holmes, I did. I most certainly did. A very unusual formula, very unique. I made it at the purchaser's own quest, of course. And who was this purchaser, Grimsby? Why, well, now it was a foreign gentleman named Marco, sir. Amy Marco. Marco, eh? Did you describe him to us? Oh, yes, Mr. Holmes. He had a most unusual face, one that uh, wouldn't, we wouldn't soon forget. A, a, a tall man he was, sir. Very fastidiously dressed with a thin face, somewhat like a hat. But uh, it was his mouth you'd notice anywhere. Yes? What about his mouth? Now, Dr. Watson, it, it had a sort of unfortunate twitch at the corner every now and then, a very annoying habit, to be sure. Yes, quite. Would you know where this Emil Marco lived, Grimsby? Yes, Mr. Holmes, I would. I had a messenger deliver a tin of his tobacco mixture to him. He's staying at the Barclay Hotel. <laughs> I say, I say there, room clock. Uh, yes, gentlemen, what can I do for you? We're looking for a gentleman named Marco, Emil Marco. What room did he occupy? Why, he did occupy a suite on the third floor, sir. Did? You, you mean his left? Oh, yes, sir, he left only this morning. Would you know his destination from here? Yeah, well, let's see, Marco, Emil Marco. I think, man, think it's of the utmost importance that you remember. Well, I... One moment, I do remember. Yes, where did he go? I recall his luggage was routed for the Hotel Metropole in Paris. I remember it from the label. Hotel Metropole in Paris. Come, Watson, there's no time to lose. <laughs> Operator, give me City 923. Yes. Uh, are you there? Uh, this is Bradley at the Barclay. The gentlemen were here. They found out about Marco and they're trading him to Paris. 
Yes, sir. I told them where they could find him myself. <laughs> You've got us sitting on the edge of our chairs. What happened next in Paris? Patience, my dear Mr. Harris, patience. Next week I shall go on with the adventure of the elusive agent. I can only tell you that from here on, events move forward with breathtaking speed. That we walked in the midst of a strange espionage plot, met some ruthless and deadly persons, and almost lost our lives. And so until next week at the same time, Mr. Harris, I shall say good night. Makers of Clippercraft clothes and more than 1,200 stores from coast to coast have brought you another in the new series of broadcasts featuring the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. Our stories are based upon the character Sherlock Holmes created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and the program is produced and directed by Basil Lockrum. Sherlock Holmes is played by John Stanley, Dr. Watson by George Spelton. This week's story was written by Max Ehrlich with special music by Albert Bourbon. If you don't know your Clippercraft dealer, write Clippercraft, 200 Fifth Avenue, New York City. Be sure to listen next week to Sherlock Holmes in part two of the adventure of the elusive agent. This is Cy Harris speaking for Clippercraft Pose. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Welcome back. Well, the way that uh, uh, Mycroft's guy was murdered was just particularly uh, cold-blooded. Uh, of course, we're left with a lot of questions as to uh, uh, as to where the uh, uh, the ringleader really is, who that guy at the desk was, and so much more that we'll have answered in future episodes. One thing uh, we don't need answered is whether Clevercraft can possibly get any more cheesy with its advertisements. I think we can answer after today safely. The answer is no. Using Holmes and Watson in character to sell uh, suits. To quote the great Chesler Riley, what a revolting development. But uh, storyline is developing interesting. We'll see what will happen next week in part two of The Elusive Agent. Be sure and join us then for that. Tomorrow is yours truly, Johnny Dollar. And this will be our last week of five episodes a week. Starting next week, we will have six episodes a week, with that sixth show being The Lineup. In the meantime, send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And be sure and rate the show on iTunes. But from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off. <laughs>